0: Previously on Star Trek with Aaron and Pauly.
1: It's first Get this started. Get this started. It's crazy, and It's crazy. It's crazy, Terrible.
0: Hi, I'm Aaron. And this is Paul. Paul, there is legit yes. no real Star Trek news this week.
1: Terrible. This is one of the worst catastrophes
0: in the world. Oh, oh the humanity and all the planets just screaming around here. I, I can't talk, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Star Trek, our favorite
0: frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. This is Paul. And welcome to another exciting episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. Ooh, exciting. It's going to be
1: filled with the exciting things.
0: And, you know, this is a rare Saturday morning recording of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. So, you know, you're going to get all the special love with Aaron and Polly. That's going to be our next podcast, by the way. All the special special love love with Aaron and Polly. Yeah. Subscribe now.
1: Yeah, (laughs) This is is normal... That is a
0: a a fee paying member episode oh though, you know? yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, we normally record funny books on Saturday morning, so you are going to get the you, the the funny books level of intensity that is
0: right, that is right, the, which you know we've often been told is it's just too much
1: off the charts, there's yeah. the charts, and then there's funny books intensity, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's just it's a, it's a little bit above it, it's a little bit yeah uh-. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, So, you know, uh, Paul, I don't know if you've been if you are familiar with this lawsuit or not, but there was a uh, I believe it was a crowdfunded uh, comic a couple of years back called Oh, the Places You'll Boldly Go, which Uh was a mashup of the Dr. Seuss book, you know, Oh, the Places You'll Go and Star Trek and the estate of Dr. Seuss. Brought suit against Comic Mix, the uh, uh, group of artists that created the mashup, and you know, uh, ran it through their crowdfunding. Uh, they brought suit saying it was trademark infringement, and it's been in the courts for two years. And the court came down on the side of the artists, saying that uh, mashups are fair use. Ah, okay, I, kind of like homage or whatever. Yeah, or yeah. parody. Yeah, I I I am uh, I'm, I'm really excited about that because I the the book looked like a lot of fun, you know, and I like those the particularly since I've got uh, young uh, nieces and nephews, I like being able to you know buy them things that that you know sort of indoctrinate them into our culture, yeah. <laughs> into our pop culture, yes. um, and so you know I like I've I've, I've been buying like Star Trek and uh, superhero children's books for them. And this is one of those things. I'm like, I'm not, you know, if if the humor level is appropriate, I, I doubt real seriously that it's like an adult level humor. Uh, no. I kind of feel like it's probably going to be one of those things that that both adults and kids will enjoy. You know, kind of like uh, the I don't know if you've seen those Vader and son uh, yeah, children's yeah. books.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I pick I pick a, I think they have a Vader and daughter book that I picked for my niece. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I love those. I, I love those kinds of things, and uh, you know, it it allows me to share something that I really enjoy. And and I just, I you know, I've always been a, a Dr. Seuss fan. We I had all those Dr. Seuss books when I was a kid, and uh, I, you know, I, I I think this will be a fun way to to share Star Trek. Plus, I'll get a kick. I agree. So <laughs> I, I'm excited that's going to come through. And you know, I've seen a little bit of the artwork uh, from uh, from one of the artists, and and it just it looks like a lot of fun. You so, know, and, and those Kickstarter backers will finally get their book. Finally, two get years their, later. Finally, get their damn book. You know, unless of course it appeals to a, to a higher court. So you know, <laughs> well, unless that. <laughs> <laughs> and in other Star Trek news this week, we have another cast member to the Picard show. Oh. Yeah, I, you, know, I, you
1: were waiting for my response, but it's someone else I
0: don't know. Yeah, well, and, and nobody does, Paul, because this oh, is okay. newcomer Evan Evagora, who apparently is an Australian actor. He's like 20 years old. Uh and you know, I saw his picture when they announced the the news this week, and I mean, he looks like he's 15, yeah. which suggests to me that maybe this is Picard's son. Oh. Maybe maybe they're giving it maybe they're giving him a uh a child, I don't know, um, you know. But this is, you know, many years removed from the next generation. So, you know, he would have had time to, you know, find himself a uh, a lady friend out there and, you know, make a baby. But of course, you know, he could also have done it in a test tube. Yeah, you I know, know. knocking
1: boots with test a, tube.
0: And it could be another another Romulan clone of Picard. You know, we can because, only hope because, and, and the reason why I say this, I, I, I think that the science proves me out here, Paul. I think that he probably is a clone because when you look at the actor Evan Evagora and you look and you compare him to uh, Patrick Stewart, they look nothing alike. So obviously uh-huh. a clone, clearly. Just like you know Tom Hardy in Nemesis, they look nothing alike. So they must be clones. Very similar, yes.
1: <laughs> They're going to superimpose their faces over each other just to make it just to hammer the home the the point home <laughs>
0: that they look nothing alike. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime we can we can uh, tap back to uh, Nemesis is great, right? <laughs> yeah. Every time
1: we can bring up that PTSD. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you know, one thing that uh, that we we tend to do a lot in this culture is uh, wait. You know, we we wait for our favorite movies to come out. We wait for our favorite TV shows to come out. And the thing that uh, I think that uh, I have been waiting for the longest these days is that Star Trek. Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind. Uh, that one also a crowdfunded uh, project. And the the shooting has been done for a long time. I think the, the thing that they're waiting to complete now are the HD upgrades to the uh, Deep Space Nine video that they're using in the film. In fact, uh, in a lot of respects, this is a proof of concept for uh, CBS to say, hey, look how pretty this will be, right? Uh, but we found out this week that uh, Deep Space Nine got the, the uh, documentary, What We Left Behind, got picked up by Shout. And they say that the, there, there will actually be theatrical releases of, uh, of this yeah. documentary. Which,
1: well, Shout, I think, partners with those um, Fathom events. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised to you know see them do that
0: and I think a fathom event sort of thing makes probably a lot more sense than a you know traditional run in the theaters oh, yeah. I mean I can't imagine that you you'd have a very full theater on a on the regular right I mean I think yeah. you get you get like a showing two showings uh, for, for the size audience that this is gonna have but I like the idea of being able to see this on the big screen and if they do it in like a fathom event you you can get one of those you know uh, you know, uh, cast and crew commentaries. You know that, that's kind of nice about those because they do make those fathom events genuine events. So mm-hmm. I, I, I like that idea.
1: Yeah, I would. Uh, I'd certainly go to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I I, I continue to wait for my uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine documentary. But what what I find interesting is you know the the, the struggle for the uh, what we left behind again has been uh, obtaining the rights. To, for the uh, deep Space 9 footage and then the the process to bring it up to HD standards and we saw online this week that a fan has used artificial intelligence you know machine learning uh, software to uh, upscale deep space 9 and and you know was looking at the the fans project and he actually has like 10 minutes of video that's pretty pretty sweet looking 1080p did you get a chance to look at that paul
1: yeah i saw some of it i didn't get a chance to watch all of it before we uh recorded but it looks pretty sweet i mean considering it's um it's fan done with you know obviously minimal budget right uh i mean it's pretty pretty damn impressive
0: yeah i was i was surprised you know i've been watching deep space nine uh on netflix and you know the SD is really kind of obnoxious to watch on a you know h d television. And so you know being able to watch what he's cleaned up is a lot crisper. Uh, you know the, the SD on on the TV, you know it's there there's a lot of it's almost like it's shot through a filter. You know it's shot through like a like a, this gauzy lens. And uh, yeah. I I really love how much it crisps up that image. It's not a true HD, uh, but the the images that that come out are awfully nice. And you know this would be much more cost effective than you know an actual HD remaster. So. Yeah, this might be an alternative for CBS to go out and do that. Uh, and I would imagine yeah. that their technology would, would would perhaps surpass what this fan did. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things, though, that if you're going in for an HD
1: remaster, you're expecting an HD remaster. Oh, sure. Well, which now, is,
0: now, now you got to go 4K, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're going to justify the cost of it, uh, I, I think you, you do go HD remaster. I feel like, don't get me wrong, the machine learning... You know, upgrades do look better, but it's really it's not as significant as going no, back heard. to those original prints or, you know, in the case of filming with video. You know, that that's what took Star Trek The Next Generation so long. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think, honestly, when it comes to Deep Space Nine, I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze financially. That's to do that, a full
0: HD remaster? Yeah, and that's my concern, is if they're not yeah. going to do a full HD, do something like this. You know, just clean it up for, for streaming. Yeah,
1: you I know? mean, I'd watch it on CBS All Access.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- that's my thing, is that, I mean, I, absolutely, I would prefer the HD remaster. I mean, there's a reason why I don't own uh, uh, Deep Space Nine on disc, and that's because it's in SD, you know I've got the you know original series uh, complete set and I've got the next generation complete set all with you know the HD remasters um, I'm happy to buy the deep space 9 set but it, I, I I can't reconcile doing it on SD you know it's got yeah. it's gotta it's got to be high definition I greater so you know uh, you know it's funny when we're talking about this because it just occurs
1: to me that Did Star Trek Discovery Season 1 ever come out on a physical media? I believe it did. I hadn't bought it. I'm sorry? Well, I mean, I wouldn't, right? Yeah. I've I've got – as long as it's on CBS All Access – I kind of have this rule that as
0: long as a television show is accessible via one of the streaming services – I'm not going to purchase it. My only reason to, to purchase it would be cast commentary and, you yeah. know, uh, bonus footage. You know, like mm-hmm. I bought the – or I uh, had gifted to me the uh, Batman animated series uh, uh, Blu-ray that came out. Uh, yeah, that being an exception
1: for me. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it, it streams on a couple of different platforms and, you know, in HD on the on the DC uh, uh, streaming service. But – you know, I I want that bonus content. I want to see. I want to hear Paul Dini talk. <laughs> you know, I, I want to. I want. I want to. I want to hear all of that. And you're not going to get that in the streaming service. And you know, I I, I hate that they hold that material back, but I get it. You know, it's going to make you buy the the DVD commentaries. Yeah. Fair point. Yeah. But uh, no, I haven't bought Discovery. But you know, I think it's too early to buy Discovery on disc. Yeah. I, I think that you've got to buy, in my opinion, the way I purchase these things now, because I used to be do the sucker thing and buy a season at a time. I don't do that anymore. I buy the complete set because they'll throw in all the extra goodies, plus all the goodies that came before in that big, you know, complete series set.
1: Yeah, usually in some kind of fancy packaging.
0: yeah. I remember yeah. when I was the chump where I bought my Supernatural a season at a time. <laughs> well, now it'll be like three thousand dollars to buy all twenty seasons of Supernatural. Yeah, and you, I, I, yeah, I, I haven't think I've seen anything on Supernatural past season five. Yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I the the I, I am sure the the disc market's just taken a beating on you know on on streaming services because you know I don't know about you, Paul, but these days I'm like ugh. I can't bear the idea of getting up and putting a disc in the machine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't go that far, but I do, I do find that I purchase very few discs because I'm limited on space. So I think, uh, and I know disc is not a lot of space, but I'm like, Hmm, like if I'm in the mood to watch something, I might just purchase it digitally. Yeah. Um, Or or rent it digitally. Like, oh, I really want to see that movie, but am I ever going to want to see it again and again and again and again? Like, I'll just pay the $4 and get it, you know, the digital, if it's not streaming already somewhere. Yeah.
0: Well, like tonight, I plan to watch Creed 2. And that is is not a movie I'm probably going to want to watch time and again, so I'm just going to rent it digitally, right? As much as I enjoyed Creed Mm -hmm. 1, it's not a movie that I plan to revisit. No, no. It's, It's not like Star Trek where I'm just going to pick that thing apart. You know, yeah. uh, as I do. Um, but you know, so this week, Creed 2 with Aaron and Polly. Creed 2 with Aaron and Polly. Um, but you know, I, I think the, the Blu rays that I buy now are DC Animated and Marvel Cinematic Universe films. For me, it's Marvel Cinematic Universe films and uh yeah i mean that's pretty much it
1: uh, i i did buy the m- most recent mission impossible but because it was on sale for 15 bucks um, <laughs> and i love those films like those will are ones i will revisit those those types of films you know ball
0: um, you hmm. could just watch. You could just buy one Mission Impossible film and just rewatch it because that's the same <laughs> film time after time. Yeah, but I like it. Uh-huh. Um, you and my wife. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I think that's
1: essentially it for me. You know, I mean, I do pick up some of the Disney films, that kind of thing. But it is mostly it's just Marvel cinematic and uh, DC uh, cinematic. But I'm, you know, I, I the DC animated films now that they're day and date streaming on the DC Universe app, I'm. Even though the next one, I don't know. I'm I'm pondering because the next one is the Justice League versus the Fatal Five. That's the the Bruce Tim, right? You know, that Justice League so,
0: that looks so hot. By the way, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. that one's and, and and then there's Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja
0: Turtles. Like, ugh, they might be pulling me in again for the physical media on this. I, you know, I, I I am not a big TMNT fan. And I did not read that Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic, mm-hmm. but the movie looks pretty hot. And the movie
1: looks very comic accurate. Yeah. So you know, I, I, and the, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. And because there's three of them, so if the movie does well, that means we get two more of them. But this isn't Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with Aaron and Polly. This is Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. See,
0: this is what happens when you record Star Trek with Aaron and Polly on a Saturday morning. Yeah, (laughs)
1: exactly. The funny books creeps in. Yeah, because I was about to talk about Doom Patrol this week, but I'm not going to. (laughs) I'll talk about it on funny books. What I'm going to talk about is Star Trek Discovery, which I saw last night, Project Daedalus, the newest episode, episode nine, directed by Mr. Jonathan Frakes himself. Um, next week is the big red angel episode. I know I'm jumping
0: ahead, Mm -hmm. but I believe episode 10 is, uh, titled red angel. So, you know, I'd like to point out that I think that CBS all access tips their hand when it's a Jonathan Frakes episode. I feel like they give him the big important episodes, the turning point episodes. And this was no different. Um, first off, We start this episode learning all about Commander Arium. You know, she's the... Which is like telegraphed right from the beginning. Oh, my God. I mean, my first thought was, oh, my God, we're going to learn about Commander Arium. And I started thinking "This, this is exactly what we wanted last season, was to be able to spend more time with the supporting characters, right? Um and you know we get a lot of character interchange uh, throughout this season between like Owo and Detmer and Tilly. Yeah. You know, um, so you know we get to see them. You know, uh, you know enjoying each other. Uh, you know, across the bridge, and you know, you know the the worried looks. You know, during a red alert and that kind of thing. But. This was deep dive into Arium, and so you know that we we open up with that scene where she's deleting memories because you know she's only got so much uh, disk space, and so she has to delete the extraneous material from from her memory. We find out that Arium, and I don't know I don't think we've ever known this before inside the show that she is human, but yeah. she was involved in a horrible shuttle accident, and so she is now cybernetically enhanced. Uh, or as Tilly calls her, robot lady, or something. <laughs> um, yeah. She, I, I, so you know, I, I'm thrilled that we're going to find out more about this character because I think she is just. Fascinating on the show, um, yeah. Uh, her character design and, and the way the 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 actor you know uh, works the prosthetics. I just I find her visually fascinating, and I find her performance fascinating. And of course, she's been kind of wrapped up in you know ever since the uh, the uh, robo- the technology alien came through the time rift a couple of episodes back. We've seen that she has been. Uh, you know, overwhelmed by Brainiac, right? You know, she's got yeah. <laughs> three little burning dots in her eyes, and we've got animated series Brainiac, you know, w- operating her mind. Uh, so you know, we know that that she's playing a role in whatever that is. So you knew we were going to get to spend some more time with her, but we get to see who she is and how she interacts with her friends, and that she's not a cold robot. She is she is a a a, a fully feeling human woman trapped inside a robot's body and I just, I found her fascinating but, and this is all running through my head in the first few minutes of the show and then I'm like, oh, fuck fuck me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I, I'm immediately uh, with the, when they show the, you know, she's, she's toggling through memories and it mm-hmm. brings up her last memory uh, before the shuttle accident where she and her new husband are sending a message to you know, all their friends. Hey, we just got married. We're about to hop on the shuttle and come home. And you're like, God damn it. They've already made me fall in love with her. In just these few minutes, they've made me fall in love with her. They are going to totally kill this character. Spoilers. I, yeah, spoilers. And I mean, oh my God. And they they they, they switch things up on you in this episode because mm. we cut from that. And, of course, we still know that Brainiac is at work on Arium because, you know, the minute she goes to the bridge to help Tilly, Tilly do some research – you know uh we see her you know we see the little three red dots in her eyes and we know that brainiac is is you know hinking things up right that brainiac is going to control how far they get in the search for the mysteries they're trying to crack codes and all that kind of stuff but you know we then cut to burnham and spock actually uh the admiral comes over oh gosh what's the admiral's name uh, I don't know. Suddenly I'm drawing an admiral. Anyway, the, the friendly admiral, the admiral from season one.
1: The one who was uh, getting it on with uh, Lorca.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know, Pike's got to gotta be asking that question. Like, you know, what's wrong with me? Why can't I knock boots with the admiral? <laughs> admiral Cornwell. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> played by uh, Jane Brooke, right? Yes. Uh, so <laughs> uh, she secretly comes to Discovery. And, you know, she's she is, you know, secretly comes to Discovery, so Section 31 doesn't know what's going on, right? She comes in the secret shuttle, Discovery's hiding out, you know, in some random system. And, you know, she goes and interviews Spock and, you know, puts the lie detector test on him. And, you know, Spock's testimony is that he didn't kill these people. He Vulcan nerve pinched them. They were alive when he left. Yada, yada. Doesn't know why the Red Angel picked him. And he passes the lie detector. But she's got this other piece of evidence that demonstrates Spock killing those people at the psych ward. And, you know, she can't reconcile these two things because it's a legit file from the psych ward. Um, And, uh, you know, you've got you know Burnham testifying on Spock's behalf because she saw his memories. And she's like, well, maybe Spock, you know, believes he didn't kill them. But, you know, look at this evidence um so she's on the ship but uh pike orders burnham you know hey you got to figure out what's going on with the red angel you got to help spock solve the mystery of why the red angel picked him and so this is why i was talking about that it kind of shifts it on you is that we get to spend a lot of time dealing emotionally with both spock and burnham's baggage right and that there's this scene where spock and burnham are playing chess and they're you know uh Burnham's digging at him you know and I felt like you know she's digging at him not because she's you know uh being a jackass but because you know she's trying to pressure him to think in a different way and let me back up for just a moment because she th- there is such a sibling moment between the two of them because she's like I think the way to you know approach this is let's play a game of 3D chess and Spock's like, you know, the, the, the fate of the galaxy hangs in the balance and you want to play a game of chess. And she's like, well, unless you think I'm going to beat you, which is such a, a, a an older sibling thing to goad the other sibling in. I mean, it's kind of like when my brother would 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 try and pick at me to do something, I wouldn't do it. And then he'd go, pussy. <laughs> That's how that reigned me.
1: Yeah, you know the so that whole sequence between them is was very tense. the The actual playing of the chess sequence, yeah, you know, and, and this episode was very much about their relationship and and the struggles that Spock has not with Burnham but with himself. Um, that becomes a little bit more clear later in the episode. He has a a moment with Stamets, yeah, uh, that where he kind of lets that display a little bit. So, I mean, there were there were some good. Uh, emotional beats
0: in that storyline I felt well and I don't know if, if you felt this way or not but I got so wrapped up in what in the emotion between Spock and Burnham that I kind of forgot what I felt like was coming with Arium you know I, I was just like I, suddenly I felt like the stakes were off the table because I was getting all of this you know rather you know weighty emotional uh, emotionally charged scenes in fact you know uh, Stamets and Spock are working together and where spock's got his you know defenses up when he talks to burnham he doesn't when he's talking to stamets and you know stamets tells him you know burnham risked her life to bring you here she loves you you know i know you're angry with her but she loves you and spock says you know if you don't mind me saying so i think that your impression of culber is inverted you know he says i you know i saw Culber moving out of your quarters, I saw that you were that you were hurt by that. Um, he says, but I don't think it's because Culber doesn't love you. It's because he doesn't know how to be with himself. You know, and you know, that Stamitz is interpreting it as, oh my god, he's he's come back and he's lost those feelings for me. No, he's lost his identity. And I thought that was that was Somebody needed to say that to Stamets. I think we all understood that as viewers. Yeah. Um, but Stamets hadn't come to it yet. And so to have that, you know, sort of impartial third party uh, tell him that, you could just see that it just it the light bulb went on with Stamets. Yeah, I like that sequence. It was, it was you know, really a nice scene. It was mm-hmm. really a nice scene. I do f- – there, there's a part of me that feels like Ethan Peck, who plays Spock uh, – is playing his own character of Spock. Nothing. He he is not aping uh, Leonard Nimoy in any way, shape, or form. And the more and more I watch his performance of Spock, I keep thinking, "Wow, he's not even looking at Leonard Nimoy's performance." <laughs> yeah, there is very little about him that is Spockish, in my opinion. I like the I like the character. Yeah, it's but
1: just, it is definitely a different take on the character. Yeah. You know, like Zachary Kinto... You could tell, you know. I mean, well, he had to yeah. because in in a certain, you know, because freaking Leonard Nimoy was in the movie. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I would say for the most part, this uh, you know, this take on Spock is is very different from the other two. I mean, there's enough similarities to know that it's Spock. Right. But you know, it, but, it, 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 go ahead.
0: Well, and I, I do feel like you know they they made a point of changing the appearance enough so that you. You feel like this is Spock at a different point in his life. And, you know, uh-huh. you can make the case that in the original episode, The Cage, Spock smiles. Spock kind of laughs. Spock has an emotional outburst when uh, they try to beam down to the planet and only uh, the yeoman and number one go down. And he, he leaps off the the transporter pad and goes, the women, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, yeah. he, he's a little bit more emotional than. And so I, I feel like what they're doing is they're building an arc of this character like Spock is going to peek peek at emotion in discovery yeah. and then chill out as he approaches the original series. So we see that in this episode when Spock has a an angry outburst and physically knocks over the chess set. You yeah. know, and he says, I actually enjoy uh, you know, expressing emotion. Yeah but uh so you know we kind of danced around it for a little bit let's talk about our good friend uh uh commander arium she uh they they approach the section 31 headquarters uh which is in an old prison uh space station which you know th- that just seems like a good place to to have your uh, top secret headquarters yeah. right And it, of course, is surrounded by all these mines. And, of course, the first thing out of Saru's mouth when they approach is the Federation doesn't allow mines. And, (laughs) uh, you know, uh, Captain Pike turns from the screen. He's like, no, no, it doesn't. And he's like, and he turns to you know Admiral uh, Cornwell and says, you know, is this the reason why you kept the Enterprise out of the fight during the Klingon War? Because you know I'd have been all up in your grill about uh, these kinds of things, you know? Because she's like, hey, you know, sometimes when uh, when when shit's hitting the fan, you don't have the the luxury of your uh, values. You got to do what you got to do. And Cornwell says, you know, in front of him, it, it, to him, and in front of everyone on the bridge that the whole reason we kept you out of the fight, you know, kept you on the other side of the galaxy during the Klingon war was because if the Federation fell, we wanted the best of us to survive. Now, keep in mind, Captain Pike is the only one on the bridge that they kept out of the fight. So if I'm Detmer, who has a cybernetic enhancement because my ship blew up during the Klingon war, I'd be a little pissed off about that. Why am I not one of the best?
1: Yeah, all, only Pike here, because <laughs> we were neck deep in that war.
0: Yeah, yeah, we were all up in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, uh, we did get to see a little bit of uh, joviality from Detmer, and that's one of the things I really like about this season, is we get to see people smile and cut up and laugh. And so when Tilly is giving Arium uh, you know, some shit about being a, uh, a robot lady... Uh Arium says, I prefer, you know, cybernetically enhanced. And then, you know, Detmer says, you know, three cheers for cybernetics because she's got the, you know, the little headpiece as well. Um, I like that. I, I love that we get to see Detmer smile. Remember when Detmer was just all gloom and doom? You know, she was just yeah, you know, very I mean, this this, per-
1: this season has given everyone a, a personality.
0: Like yeah. the first season, we only really had personalities from the the main three. Right. Well, and, you know, <laughs> such that we have a nickname for, you know, Ooshiku. You know, we, we it's Owo. I I love it when they, I grin when they call her Owo. because that just the the familiarity yeah. between the characters is just fantastic, and we get to see how Arium fits into all of that. You know, we we see her memories of of having lunch. You know, sharing a, a, you know a, a companionship and comradeship with with her colleagues. You know, uh, talking about Kata Scott, which you know you know nice callback to Star Trek Voyager. Um, we approach. Uh, section 31 headquarters and you know we we fight the minefield and we've got a nice little scene with uh, uh how we're how we're gaming the uh the uh, apparently artificial intelligence yeah
1: and hold on because i don't want to i don't want to leave this moment uh, talking yes, about sir. the minefield i don't want to breeze yeah. over it because i found that sequence kind of ridiculous because yes they don't allow minefields and then the admiral's like guess what? You can't have your shields up because they're attracted to shields. So you have to go in shieldless. And then they like approach it and then the minds start coming towards them and she's like, oh shit, I was wrong. And then they're like, throw on the shields. Yeah. And then they're like, well, hold on. We have to throw some chaos in the mix because if we throw some chaos, some random maneuvers, they won't anticipate us. The AI won't anticipate us. They still got fucking pummeled. So I guess, you know, like, What exactly happened? They basically just ran through a minefield and got (laughs) beat to hell and nothing they did did anything to change that. But it was just kind of funny They're like, well, there was this revelatory moment where, you know, where Birdom was playing with Spock with with the chess and she used his tactics to get through the minefield. And ultimately, the mine still kept hammering at them until they got there. So I guess I, I, I missed something there.
0: No, no, I I, 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 did feel like that was a little weak. You know, if these, if you can take a run at the minefield with your shields up and still come, come away on the other side and you're okay, um, it seems to defeat the purpose of the minefield. I did like, you know, the the way that they introduce chaos is that instead of Captain Pike giving the maneuvering orders, he rotates it around the bridge, thus using other people's tactical skills and changing up, you know, what the their tactical profile looks like to the artificial intelligence. So I, I thought that was kind of cool. What I did find interesting and I, I frequently had this complaint about, you know, any type of special effect, is it felt like the ship should have been moving faster. Yeah. You know, in, in relation to the mines, I would have thought they'd be moving faster. And I felt like the mines should be doing greater damage. You know, I felt like we should have seen you know uh, an explosive decompression at some point. In fact, there was one scene where we see the mine approaching the aft of the ship, and you know it seems like the the launch bay where we launch shuttles from is always open. You know that there's not like a door that comes down; they just have like a, a force field there. I would have liked to have seen a mine just roll in to to, to that deck, you know, and just you know blow the hell out of the ship but uh, they but do no. they do explain you know once they kind of get out of the minefield there's like it was like the mines were targeting our you know warp drive and impulse engines you know because they were suddenly dead in space um so they they're there in front of section 31 and admiral patar the uh, logic extremist uh, who you know is in, who runs Section Thirty One or one of the admirals who runs Section Thirty One appears on screen and scolds Admiral Cornwell. Says you know I'm sure you 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 got over there to Discovery with the best intentions, but now that you've aligned yourself with criminals, we're going to have to put you under arrest too. Stay where you are. A Section Thirty One ship will be showing up soon to put you all under arrest, and uh, you know. Cornwall and Pike decide that you know they've got to go in and seize control Section Thirty-One because the problem with Section Thirty-One, Paul, is not that it's a bad organization. It's just all of a sudden uh, the the uh, artificial intelligence algorithm has stopped accepting input from uh, Admiral G- uh, Admiral Cornwall, and they have always received you know the AI's sort of. Uh, you know, uh, predictive modeling, right? And we we even heard about that. I think in the last episode, where uh, Georgiou was complaining about the predictive modeling and how the predictive modeling was guiding uh, their activities. You know, uh, you know, she's like, I always used to tell my predictive modeling what to do. Now the predictive modeling is telling me what to do. Well, you know, uh, somebody has locked uh, Cornwall out. She hasn't been able to talk to any of these admirals in a couple of weeks. And, you know, she, she needs to go in and reset the system and be able to hold the admirals accountable. And, you know, patar's like, ah, you, you know, it, it, you're not giving the orders here. You're under arrest, yada, yada. So they beam over a boarding party, you know. Um, they're going to send over Commander Nan, who, who is the security officer that Pike brought over from Enterprise. They're going to send over Michael Burnham. because He was going to send over Saru, but Saru's working a hunch. And... uh uh, he was going to send over there was a third person he was going to send but Arium says you know maybe I should go because I can reboot the system directly once we get clearance Non says don't worry I'll keep an eye out for her. um so the three of them beam over and it's bad news from from the jump there's no uh life support there's no power Uh, They're finding dead people everywhere just floating around, frozen blood. I mean, it's a nightmare scenario, Paul. A nightmare scenario. It's all bad. It's all bad, Paul. (laughs) Shit got real. Shit got real. Up in Section 31. I tell you what the uh, the the spacesuit effects that they use, uh, and you know this has been true from the first episode. they the money that they have spent on their you know uh, EVA suits look fantastic. So I wanna I actually want to dispute you here. I want to dispute you, Aaron. Bring it, bring
1: it. The the spacesuits, while loverly, the the, the 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 lights on the sides of the helmet, were so bright. I couldn't see who was in the helmet oh, I didn't until they took them down. Like When they first beamed down, like the lights are staring directly at the camera. I'm like, uh, okay, well, who's who? Because
0: all I see is lights. I did not have that problem. I did have the problem of Burnham saying, I'm seeing blood everywhere. I didn't see any blood at all. Well, I, I think you can see better in light
1: and I can see better in
0: dark because I saw the blood. Huh, I did not <laughs> see the blood. I did not see the blood, but I did. I, I did not have have the issue with identifying who was who in in the spacesuits.
1: So I think what we've identified here is that both Aaron and I need to mess with our TV settings. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> so uh, as as the uh, the uh, away team is, or should we say, boarding party is working their way through the Section Thirty One Prison Headquarters, um, Saru figures shit out, and he's like, "Hey." You remember how uh, Admiral Patar was on the screen scolding everybody, and you know how Captain Pike challenged her authority. Well, you know, with my you know secret uh, uh, Kelpian vis- vision. Um, I noticed that she didn't have any changes in her body temperature and, and whatnot because, you know, I, I've got these, these super kelpian eyes because, remember, he, he, his enhanced vision allowed him to discern more about the Red Angel than they previously had been able to. He says, you know, I, I noticed that she wasn't uh, – that she didn't exhibit any, any of these things that I would typically expect from a normal person. She's a hologram. And, uh, you know, and oh, by the way, I've taken apart this video from the psych ward that shows Spock murdering people. That's a hologram. And of course, you know, the origin of it was from the psych ward, um, you know, because the the source of it hadn't been doctored. It was just the the elements itself had, had, had been fabricated. And so, you know, Pike's like, well, if I was talking to a hologram, who the hell was I talking to? Well, he was talking to the artificial intelligence because control, the the system that Section 31 has set up for predictive modeling, has taken control, Paul. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so it appears that the the you know, three red lights that appear in Arium's eyes, which we know to be Brainiac, um, is not the future alien space technology that was coming through the time rift but is actually section 31's control system here's my theory because I was I was trying to reconcile this because that the the we first see the, the those three red lights flashing when uh, she's reading the the data dump from the sphere right or actually when she's reading the data dump from the alien uh, technology that was trying to take over the shuttle with uh, yeah. Pike and Tyler Mm-hmm. I think that Section Thirty-One had already planted, or uh, Control had already planted a subroutine in her cybernetic matrix uh, to seize opportunities, and that perhaps it was on alert given the information from the Sphere. But then, you know, given what you know, we saw from this, you know, time traveling alien tech that was bent on taking uh, taking control that's what what sort of sparked that. So I felt like I feel like in 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 my mind that that section 31 control subroutine was already present when that happened. So instead of what it appeared in that episode was that the program got uploaded to her from the alien invader, instead I think it just got activated because of the threat yeah I could see that that's my thought. I'm sure we'll find out more, but I, I did bump on that. I'm like, now wait a minute. how in the hell oh, maybe that's what it was. So we've got Arium revealed and Arium as we as we talked about earlier in the episode, has to you know because she's got a, a finite amount of disk space. She has to clean up her memory files. Well, she had dumped almost all, if not all, of her personal memory files to Discovery because she downloaded the contents of the sphere that we received all of its information from several episodes ago. And that's, that's the one that's got hundreds of thousands of experiences uh, from across the galaxy. So she, her, she is attempting, we discover, uh, that she is attempting to download all of that into the uh, control systems there at Section Thirty One HQ, and you know she per- she proceeds to put on a robot-sized can of whoop ass on Burnham and Commander Non. Now earlier in the episode, in another bit of telling, you know Commander Non, I think, is a Barzan. I think that was the, the race that, that she said, but she's got those little. Uh, uh, Tubes that come out to, to either side of her mouth that enable her to breathe. And in fact, Ariam clears that up and says, Yeah, you're your race, you wear those, that prosthetic so that it helps you breathe our atmosphere, right? Yeah, why do you ask? Oh, no reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just curious. <laughs> yeah, no reason. And what I find interesting is, you know, it is never stated explicitly, but through her actions, we can tell that Non ha- is, is suspicious of Ariam yes. for some reason. You know, she's just seen some things that don't quite add up, so she's always got her eye on her. Um, well, you know, in the next generation, uh, I don't know if you remember the Benzites, Paul, but they were the guys who had like the the little dish in front of their mouth, you know, and the the uh, 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 dry ice vapor coming from it. Oh you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Remember those guys? Uh-huh. You know. In The Next Generation, when you telegraph a, a prosthetic like that, you never had to worry that someone was going to rip that off their head, right? Never had to worry about that. But, you know, ever since the uh, lady with the, uh, the, the 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 rebreather showed up on, on set, I've always felt like at some point they're going to tear that off of her head. And sure enough, that is the first thing Arium does when she throws down on these guys. She just pulls off her respirator. And we get to see uh, her choke on the floor. And I will say, <clears throat> she was. We see her without air for a while, and you know, we see her almost. You know, what appears to have passed out. Um, I felt like for sure that Non was uh, dead at that point. And when she shows back up at the end of the episode, okay, um, I call in a little bit of bullshit on that. Uh, oh, because oh. I, I just feel like we saw her just kind of you know inches away from a respirator and pass out while the fights going on and it just i'm like i you know i feel like you know non non probably should have died given the way we were stretching out those moments but yeah. uh you know long story short uh Burnham fights fights arium uh with to within an inch of Burnham's life and you know locks are in this in in the uh doorway of an airlock and we have this just painful scene with Arium, you know, saying, you know, uh, you know, Tilly reaches out, you know, uh, says, hey, you know, th- this this scene was just awful, Paul, <laughs> um, awful the in- emotionally not awful uh, uh, in terms of quality. But, you know, Tilly Tilly's trying to connect with the human part of Arium and says, hey, you know, I know that you save every memory of me because you adore me and I adore you, too. You know we're friends, and she's sending her, her you know, she's she's uploading uh, friend memories to Arium as this is going on, and, and Arium's like, you know, I hear you, Tilly. I don't have control. The control has, you know, written over my motor skills. I can't stop this. You guys are going to have to eject me into space and kill me. And you know, it's breaking Burnham's heart because she's friends with her too. And there's the, you know, uh, her 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 words. Arium says. It's all about you, Michael. It's all about you. You've got to find Project Daedalus. And, you know, Burnham says, What's Project Daedalus? You know, the whole time everyone's like, Michael, you've got to eject her. If she gets out of there, you're dead. And Arium tells her that. If I get out of here, I'm going to kill you. I won't be able to stop myself. And the, so the moment's really heating up. What's Project Daedalus? And all of a sudden. Arium's ejected into space because that's when Commander Nan shows up having uh, put her respirator back on and has uh, ejected Arium into space. What I find kind of amazing about this episode is they made me fall in love with Arium. They had a terrific uh, death scene with her where she's being a hero. She's saying, you know, don't let me complete this mission. Because I will, ki- I will kill you, Michael Burnham. I will kill everyone on Discovery. Um, you know, don't don't let this happen. Um, we hear—I don't know if, the, if this struck your ear, Paul—but we hear that this might be where the artificial intelligence that Spock saw from the Red Angel, where the death of the entire galaxy occurs. Yeah, that, or that, starts. Yeah, yeah. That this this you know defeating Section 31 here could be that they, you know, wiped away that future. Seems to me like, you know, with five more episodes left in the season, probably not. <laughs> but uh, it, that, that's that's the way it read to me. But the the scene that, you know, between Tilly, between Burnham and Arium uh, was just heartbreaking. And as we see Arium tumble into space and die, we see her die on screen. Instead of it cutting to you know back to a denouement on the Enterprise on, on Discovery, and instead of cutting to uh, next week's uh, preview, we go to black and then just very somber music in the credits. I mean, they they really wanted you to stay in that moment. They really wanted that to hang with you.
1: Yeah, for sure. It was it was definitely a good way to end the episode. And, you know, when she died, I was like, well, hold on. Culver died. And then yeah. uh, Saru was going to die. Yeah. So is she really dead? But then in the trailer for next week's episodes, we do see the uh, the actual Starfleet funeral and, and the colors and all that. So yeah. I'm assuming that she is actually dead. Well, and uh, I, 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 I'm going to call bullshit on that, too, Paul. I mean, she is cybernetic, right? They, well, it seems like they could bring her back. I don't understand
0: why they didn't immediately beam her to Discovery and, like, you know, put her, you know, in suspended animation or something. I mean, it, oh, seems, it seems to me that she didn't have to die in space. They they could have beamed her out. And I think that, you know, I, I understand. They couldn't have
1: beamed her directly to the brig or something. Yeah,
0: that's my thing is, I mean, you know, they, they do have transporter technology and – there was nothing in the episode that said that transporters were down. In fact, they had beamed over uh, yeah. the boarding party. So I don't understand, other than the fact that you know maybe she's just too dangerous to bring aboard. Um, I don't understand that. That's a good qu- that is a very good point. Uh, one thing I, I want to mention about that scene on the bridge. Uh, Captain Pike ordered Stamets to get ready to go to Black Alert because we may have to get out of here. And the spore drive is the only source of propulsion they had at the moment because yeah. impulse engines were down and warp engines were down. But yeah. yet, Stamets comes to the bridge to see what's oh. going on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it's, a, it's a good thing they didn't have to black alert out of there. Yeah, good point. Oh, shit. I shouldn't yeah. be here. Sorry. And there was a really nice moment where everyone's urging Burnham to jettison Arium, right? And even uh-huh. Spot gets in on it. And Spock is urgent about it. Not just this is the logical, correct thing to do for everyone involved, but you can tell he genuinely cares about Burnham in that moment. Yeah, And that's the first real sense we've gotten beyond his anger that he has a fondness for Michael Burnham. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Despite the, 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 the things that I've complained about, I really liked this episode. And I hate that we lost Ariam, but I'm so glad she got such a good episode. Yeah, I mean I do think there are a lot
1: of flaws in the episode. I didn't and I you know, I will say structurally story wise, it's not their best. Um but the emotional beats were all there. And well, I think that's where Frakes really excels, is in in getting you to care about the characters. He is well he is he, he directs action well and he directs character beats well, but the story was a, a bit lackluster.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like there there are some holes in the story. But because the episode was acted and directed so well – and I would say that it's edited well too. It slaps together extraordinarily well. Um, I feel like the the rest of the juice is there where I'm not really focused on, on those gaping holes. Um, I, 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 I just am amazed – at how strong the performances were and how strong the directing was. I really enjoyed this episode, despite the story flaws.
1: Yeah. Well, next week directed by Hanel Culpepper. And let me just say, I haven't seen the trailer for next week. Oh, I have. Where did you see it? Uh, After the episode.
0: It did not come up. Uh, Did uh, you you play all the way through the credits? Yeah. Well, actually
1: I think it popped up before the credits for me, but I could be wrong.
0: I watched it on my iPad and uh, it, and it could just be a, a difference between the iPad app versus uh, watching it elsewhere. But it went straight to black and then to the credits, and it never played the the tra- the, the, the preview for next week.
1: Ah, yeah. Yeah, I, got, right. I saw the preview for next week. Obviously very vague. Yeah. Uh, next week is a very big episode. Um, like I said, directed by Hanel Culpepper, who is directing the uh, pilot for the Picard series. Uh, and it is titled The Red Angel.
0: I'm excited. I, 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 You know, I do think that when we hear it's all about you, Michael, I think that that really pushes me that maybe the Red Angel is indeed Michael Burnham.
1: Ah, perhaps. Future Michael Burnham. And that would be why she appears to Spock. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. yeah. Maybe. And, you know, the reason why Spock doesn't know it's her is because maybe the Red Angel, a.k.a. Michael Burnham... Was able to is able to pick and choose what it shares in a mind meld. So instead of you know him immediately, you know usually it's you know my thoughts to your thoughts, your thoughts to my thoughts kind of thing. It's a, it's a mind it's a melding of minds. Maybe it was more of a mind push. So yeah. I uh, I I I I feel like that's Michael Burnham in the suit. Well, more to come. I feel like it's a it's a it's a member of the Discovery crew in the suit for sure. You know, so I. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I'll be wrong. But uh, you know it could it could <laughs> be Lori, it could be Lori Laughlin. You never know. It could right? be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I dug the show. I dug the show. So big thumbs up. I you know, Jonathan Frakes can direct anything, I I am convinced. Except perhaps uh, uh, insurrection.
1: well we will be back next week to talk about the red angel and of course any additional star trek news and if there's no star trek news we'll chat we'll get caught up on the orville
0: i am way behind on the orville i got some orville watching to do oh yeah you gotta get on it i'm I'm all caught up well, uh, call us and tell us what you think about the Orville. Call and tell us what you what you think about uh, Star Trek Discovery. And you can do that by calling 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise.
1: You can also hit us up on Instagram, IOMGeek, Twitter at IdeologyMadness, or Facebook, IOMGeek. And let us know your thoughts on this week's episode.
0: Good stuff. And we need your five star reviews. Don't forget to do that. Don't ever forget to do that. Go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, give us a five-star review or whatever the, the, the best review is. It could be a thumbs up. It could be an, an A-OK. You know, I don't, I don't know how, how these, these different platforms work. But whatever you got to do, do it. Tell, tell the world uh, how wonderful you find Star Trek with Aaron and Pauly. Well, thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Have a great week. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade.